This is Popular Front, a podcast focused on the niche details of modern warfare and underreported conflict with me, Jake Hanrahan. Today we're speaking to journalist Janet Basoto. She's going to be talking to us about the potential for a civil war in Chiapas in Mexico, the area best known for the EZLN, the Zapatistas. But now there are new self-defense militias popping up to defend the area from drug cartels and what the self-defense militias believe are government paramilitary forces. If you like what we're doing, please do consider supporting us at patreon.com slash popularfront. Okay, um, so I guess um, we should probably start with that uh, the, the communique, right, that the EZLM put out. I know they're not exactly that active out there at the minute, but they kind of said... You know, there's a, there's a civil war um, starting in Shippas. Like, what, what's happening? What is going on? Yeah, so last week or in the middle of September, the Zapatistas released, um, you know, this statement, um, very dramatic, um, saying we're at the brink of war. Um, basically, they were denouncing the kidnapping of two of their members by the Orcao. Um, and... You know, they they went on to accuse this group, the Arcao, of basically being a paramilitary uh, political military organization that's just continuously perpetrating attacks, conducting kidnappings. So the majority of their statement was focusing on, you know, the insecurity carried out by this group, but also um, the the wider, um, you know, disregard by the municipal government, um, and they basically stated that if this continues, Chiapas will turn into a civil war. Um, all of these different indigenous groups are tired of being marginalized, of having their, um, uh, of people being kidnapped, uh, people being murdered, and the government's not doing enough, um, not launching enough investigations. So this kind of started, um, you know, what we're seeing right now with different self uh, defense organizations coming out and also issuing, um, you know, their own statements. Um, so this is what we're kind of seeing at the moment. Right. And there's been, um, you just mentioned the self-defense groups there. A lot of these are starting right, but they're not actually anything to do with, you know, the Zapatistas, the EZLN. These are other groups, right? Yeah. And they mainly came out. So one of the kind of the um, the trigger that started all of this was the June 6th elections. I mean, these were some of the most violent uh, elections that we've had um, in modern Mexico history. Um, you know, there were about 35 candidates killed nationwide, um, 89 if you actually count like the political aides and the workers. Um, so this basically jumpstarted in Chiapas because a lot of the mayors and a lot of the governors that were being elected were actually accused of having links to organized crime. Uh, many of the mayors in, in Chiapas were just, you know, it was not necessarily a democratic democratic process, more so a passing of the um, kind of the baton. Um, you know, many of these newly elected mayors were the, the husbands of, you know, the, the former mayors or were the spouses of former mayors. 
So what basically happened with the first uh, self-defense militia, which is uh, Los Machetes or El Machete that came out of Panelo, uh, Pantelo, um, they basically are denouncing the newly elected mayor as having links um, to a criminal organization called Los Herreras. Um, these guys um, have been accused of perpetrating um, assassinations, um, extortions, so what they were basically coming out and saying was that we're going to impede this guy from being sworn in, which was actually on, on Friday, on October the 1st. He had to be sworn in in secret um, a day before the actual um, date. So, you know, everything was kind of highly insecure at that moment. But that was basically their major demand is we don't want this guy to continue the insecurity that he's already um, that they have already maintained for the last 20 years. Um, and we're going to do anything that anything possible to basically impede. Um, and from then on, you know, we saw two other um, groups. One of them actually just last night released their um, their video. Um, so this is what we're seeing. You know, we're seeing the effects of the election. Um, many of them claim or attribute them to being um, completely undemocratic, um, but by organized um, uh, groups, organized crime, and um, they consider them illegitimate. Um, so this is one of their, um, you know, basically major um, alerts here. Right. And what is the situation with the cartels now uh, in this area? So it's, I mean, we have the major, two major cartels, the Sinaloa cartel and the Jalisco. Um, we've seen several clashes by these two um, in um, a couple of months ago. But what's primarily concerning here is kind of the local criminal criminal organizations, like mm -hmm. the lower um, the lower end. Um, we have one called Los Herrera, which is, you know, what Los El Machete was complaining about. Um, these guys have been in Chiapas for over two decades. Um, they're very linked to the municipal government. Um, they've actually accused of financing the government. Um, embezzling from, you know, the public resources. And the former, you know, the head of this organization um, was imprisoned about like two years ago, I think, on, on homicide charges. But he was the judge. He was a municipal judge. So it's this continual process of like, you know, everybody's embedded in these linkages, in these, um, in, in, this, in this kind of illicit arena of sorts. Um, and now what's going to co complicate everything even more is that the Jalisco cartel are becoming a little bit more um, active in the region. They're trying to basically take out the dominance that the Sinaloa cartel had. So, you know, unfortunately, we're going to still see um, more, definitely more bloodshed. Right. And I know, I know, like, obviously, the EZ, EZLN are saying, oh, there's, there's going to be a civil war and, you know, there's, there's going to be clashes and whatever, but what are they actually doing? You know, because we're seeing all these new, these new self-defense groups, the, the machetes and this other group, like, but the EZLN, I mean, from what I've seen, I could be wrong, but they don't really seem to be doing anything other than kind of, you know, releasing communiques. Yeah. They've turned into a civil society organization. I mean, the areas that I have visited, um, Zapatista control like autonomous regions, um, they've hold a lot of like community, um, you know, engagement. Um, they have 
doctors to see, you know, some people who don't have access to medical health care. So they've kind of become like this de facto second government um, mm. that's a little bit more withdrawn from like the active, um, you know, fighting. Um, so they've devolved a little bit into that, which I think, you know, it's given them a very high profile still. And what I think is also valuable about the ECLN, despite them not really engaging in anything, is that them releasing the statement about, you know, Chiapas being on the brink of war really brought the spotlight to Chiapas. You know, this has been going on for months now. And, you know, domestic media hasn't necessarily been paying attention. And, you know, the international media also um, hasn't really drawn um, its eyes to it. So, them releasing this very almost dramatic, you know, press release was, was, uh, you know, the impetus that brought all these eyes here. So in a way, they've become kind of this beacon of, hey, guys, you know, we're getting a little bit massacred over here, please pay attention to us. And, you know, that's kind of, you know, an extension of the value and and the profile that they've um, kind of carried on. Sure, but, you know, considering they have, you know, carved out this kind of, you know, like left libertarian autonomous region for themselves and they've done a great job at it, don't get me wrong, but surely then that means they kind of have a responsibility as an armed force still, you know what I mean? Like as they did in, what was it, 84? Like surely they they still kind of should be out there or, or maybe they are, I don't know. It just seems weird to me that having read all about EZLN and Zapatistas, now it's the kind of, I don't know, community militias that are not really anything to do with the Zapatistas forming to say that, you know, they're going to defend from the government and the cartels and whatever. I mean, and still in some of their statements, I completely agree with you um, with, you know, that assessment that they've kind of gone back a little bit on, on, um, you know, their active confrontations. Um, however, they do still in their press release add that, you know, we will rise up at any cost, mm. you know, give our lives for it. But, you know, again, um, it is just a press release. Um, you know, we, um, at least it went, when, when I was there in, in San Cristobal de las Casas and visited some of the, the Zapatistas autonomous areas, um, I, you know, I did see more of them kind of promoting the civil society organization rather than the militancy yeah. or the, um, um, and I think what's also relevant here is that because they are such high profile, they also are very high profile for, you know, our armed forces. Um, so I think they also have to maintain this very delicate balance between doing too much and having the entire government rein in on them as they did in 1991, um, or, you know, kind of also offer the, um, this, um, this uh, status quo and allow other organizations or other self-defense groups to kind of, you know, do the um, the hard work. Yeah, no, I see what you mean. It's like at the end of the day, you know, they've got to keep what they've built together. Um, I do understand that. I was just kind of, I don't know, I guess I was surprised at seeing how many um, of these self-defense groups have come up. Um, what do you think about those groups? I know in America, uh, in America, I know in Mexico, a lot of the time, the kind of auto defense groups are actually just linked to like cartels and whatever, kind of there for show. Um, how how serious are these groups, do you think? I know you showed me that pitch the other day, they built a fucking IED in a bin, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they seem to at least have some kind of skills. What, what do you reckon? 
Right. It's very hard to tell at the beginning now. I mean, if you see the footage of, like, for specifically Los Mach El Machete, um, they had, you know, there's videos, and I'll send them to you so you can post them if you want. Um, there's videos of them being, like, deputized, basically, by, you know, the community, by in, in Pantelo. Um, they, it's very hard to say, but, you know, these, these guys don't look very well trained. Um, you know, many of them are carrying machetes. Um, only a few of them have arms. Um, but, you know, it's kind of a ragtag team. Um, and, you know, so it's very difficult to assess, like, how much of a fight they'll be able to put. Unfortunately, I mean, like, when we assess it to, like, these other criminal organizations that have been doing this for the past, you know, two decades, um, so in terms of how serious they are, you know, I do think, um, they're very committed. Um, you know, they've, they've also like, uh, tore down the municipal, um, the city hall in Pantelo, um, and they've raided a few homes here and there, but, you know, it's very difficult to assess, um, in response to how these groups eventually turn into cartels, I mean, this is something that we continuously see across the board, um, which is very unfortunate. Like, for example, with the Orcao, the, the group that the ECLN basically claims kidnapped their, you know, their comrades, these guys started as, you know, also this um, kind of a union of coffee growers to demand better coffee prices. They were actually allied with the Zapatistas when they came out in, um, in 98. Uh, and then eventually in the 90s, when the Zapatista crackdown happened, um, they were seen as caving in to the intimidation by the government and then eventually seen as allied to the government in exchange for you know, political or financial favors. And now what we have of them is that they're in an active conflict with the Zapatistas. So we see this all across the board um, where, you know, in Michoacan, this is also um, very relevant with like the self-defense militias that have come out to fight the Knights Templar, but also eventually became a new cartel. So, you know, I can only say that time will tell. I know it's a cop out of an answer, but you know, it's very, very prevalent here. Yeah, no, I mean, it is what it is. Um, in terms of the government, then, you know, obviously cartels are around and there's these kind of incursions and then there's criminal groups. But what about the actual government? Like, what's the the main issue with uh, what they're doing in the region at the minute? And specifically Chiapas, I mean, they accuse the government of not doing anything, actually. Um, you know, these, these newly elected mayors, some of them have um, you know, been accused of direct links um, with criminal organizations, with you know, embezzling millions of dollars, millions of pesos from um, from the municipal government. Um, you know, and and these guys uh, don't see them intervening enough. Um, I mean, there were clear evidence during the elections that there was vote vote buying going on. Um, you know, people were stuffing ballot boxes, they were stealing the ballots, um, and, you know, it got very little attention by the federal government. So that's also another um, kind of grievance that these communities maintain is that they're so you know, it might as well not exist there. Um, they, and so 
one of the petitions also for these guys in rejecting the entire government is that they just want to implement implement their own kind of indigenous municipal council, um, you know, kind of extending this era of autonomy um, for them because, you know, the government just doesn't really seem to give a shit. Right. Um, and obviously the government being AMLO, right, they're meant to be the kind of, oh, we're the progressive ones, we're going to kind of sort things out from everybody, literally every spectrum of people I know in Mexico, everybody's just saying the same thing. They're not doing anything. Um, like, have they released even a statement on the situation? Because, you know, in this region, region specifically, it could get really violent. You know what I mean? I know the whole of Mexico is violent, but, well, not the whole of it, you know, a lot of it. But it's a different kind of violence. You know what I'm saying? It's a different aspect of it. Mm -hmm. um, I have not seen anything directly, you know, the president um, or the defense secretary releasing anything specifically about Chiapas or what's going on now. Um, but... You know, some, for example, in Guerrero, which is also very similar to Chiapas, um, there was uh, this other militant group that released this video of, you know, them executing 20 people on camera, um, basically rivals. Um, you know, the, the video came out about last week. Um, the president issued a statement basically saying like, oh, despite this, you know, it's actually getting very safe now. So there's a lot of scapegoating the situation. You know, he does have a, um, you know, we do see him um, continuously try to say that the situation is a lot safer, um, that we're making progress um, in terms of, you know, lowering our homicide rates, which is actually not saying very much because we're still having one of the most violent years um, in our history. So, you know, it's very hard, you know, it's very difficult to actually um, rely on on the federal government, especially when, you know, the situation also in Michoacan and Guanajuato, these are these are states that are undergoing extreme levels of violence. Um, and the president continuously say, says that we will resolve this with dialogue and diplomacy. And so this is also a sign for, you know, the residents in Chiapas that they see the extreme levels of violence everywhere else and nothing is happening. So it's almost like they have to rely on their own, um, you know, own, own protection, own self-defense here. Um, and that's also the trend that we're seeing nationwide. I mean, he has a policy called, you know, and a lot of people make fun of this, the abrazos no balazos, the hugs. Uh, not bullets. Um, and he coined this during the election. I can't believe people make fun of that. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's shocking. Yeah. Um, and you know, this was an eight-point security plan to kind of address the um, the triggers of why people go into organized crime. Um, he says that we need to address kind of the social uh, welfare of the people to make sure you know address poverty so that. You know, these, this youth doesn't go into organized crime. And while that sounds like a great policy, I mean, that's also a long-term policy. There's no exhibition of what a short-term policy is to address these crises. And unfortunately, that has also left a vacuum to where, you know, the, the Jalisco cartel has just grown massively in the last two years. Um, and... You know, it's unfortunate that this is almost a consequence that we're seeing. So, you know, the, the way that 
we've we're seeing Chiapas now, it's almost like a real time example of you know the gradual evolution of how these states spiral out of control and become areas overrun by crime. Um, you know, areas where cartels have gotten so large, it's become nearly impossible for security forces to fight them or contain them. And, you know, this is almost, uh, you know, Chiapas is like the very early examples of how we ended up with states like Michoacán and Guanajuato and Zacatecas. Um, so, you know, I understand, you know, we need to have a spotlight on Chiapas. We need to kind of address these problems as early as possible. Um, but, you know, there's, there's not much appetite from the federal government. Um, and we could argue that it's, you know, that it's lack of awareness or, um, you know, complicity with organized crime. But I, I, I simply think that the problem right now is so, so large to handle. I mean, addressing, you know, how massive these cartels have gotten, it's, it's beyond me. Yeah, well, I mean, it seems to me at least that the, the cartels are like more powerful than the government on a lot in, in a lot of ways. Um, and, you know, the Zapatistas, uh, as well as they've done, they're saying, well, there's going to be a civil war. I mean, really, if, if the cartels move in there, I mean, who has a chance? I mean, you've got the machetes where they've got like, you know, lost machetes. They have literally machetes. And you're talking about cartels that have literally... Per armored personnel vehicles you know what i mean like how the fuck like which 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 cartels is it specifically in the area that you know if this so-called civil war does kick off um you know who who is it that's going to be moving in yeah i mean we already have the jalisco the sinaloa cartel and like these lower wings i mean it's it's just gonna be a a bloodbath um i mean you're absolutely right in pointing out that they're very ill-equipped um, to handle these massive problems, um, you know, the in many of these groups as well, there's there's children, um, you know, little 14, 15 year old guys like wagging around little machetes. It's 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 unfortunate, but that's also a sign, you know, of just how um, abandoned, you know, these communities have gotten and how pervasive organized crime has basically been allowed to thrive. Um, so. It is just, yeah, it's difficult yeah. to comprehend. I uh, I spoke to um, some people that were like, you know, not necessarily anti-EZLN and that, but they were saying, oh, there's rumors online that the EZLN are kind of working with cartels in the region. Um, have you heard anything like that? Um, I have not. Um, but, for example, addressing like how they get firearms. Um, for example, yeah. um, you know, it's illegal to have a firearm in Mexico, or at least to, to legally carry a firearm. So just by that, um, you will have to purchase it by a trafficker or by, you know, organized crime. So I can, I can see how like those lines are very blurred mm. in terms of them actually collaborating and working with any cartels. Um, I personally have not heard that, or at least enough evidence, um, on that, um, but, you know, just firearms, for example, is enough to say that they are colluding. 
or the acquisition of firearms. Right. I guess it's like, you know, if the devil runs the region and you need something from them, <laughs> you know what I mean? What are you going to do? Yeah, yeah. No, I see what you yeah, mean. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, has the cartels addressed any of this? I, I know that's kind of a weird question, but from from the social media stuff that I've been looking at, specifically with the the new generation cartel and them guys, like they seem to address quite a lot of things, like you know, kind of publicly, as if they were a state almost um, online. So, have they said anything about this situation in Chiapas? In uh, for specifically the elections and this right now, no. Um, however, there's been a lot of flooding. Um, you know, we we passed through like two hurricanes in the last couple of months. So there's been a lot of flooding and um, in these communities. And because, you know, they live in extreme poverty, um, you know, half of the houses and homes are falling apart. So they have launched campaigns of, you know, distributing mattresses and distributing beds and, you know, giving refrigerators out to these communities. So, you know, there's a very active wing of the Jalisco cartel um, engaging in, you know, this this social responsibility aspect. Um, you know, they're, it's, it's a very strong sense of them winning, trying to win hearts and minds. Uh, so we see this after, you know, a lot of disasters for Mother's Day. They started, you know, they went out, I think this was in Guanajuato or Michoacan, I can't remember where, but the Jalisco cartel was giving out flowers and they were giving out microwaves and, you know, all kinds of appliances for, for all these mothers. And the running joke, which is very dark, was like, here's a microwave, let me get your son. You know, let me take your son, Jesus basically. Christ. You know, so, you know, we do see heavy activity on, on, on you know, their social um, kind of responsibility side. Um, and it's very unfortunate because these are, these are facets that the government should be fulfilling. Um, you know, especially around these disaster areas where the communities are already impoverished, already vulnerable, and they're not providing enough. They're not fulfilling their role um, as, you know, providers. And they're basically allowing these illicit organizations to fill that gap. Um, and what ends up happening there is that they, they start building a very, very strong social shield. Um, you know, would you rather go against the cartel that's giving you a mattress or, you know, support the police who's probably also very corrupt? You know, it's it's a very difficult um, place to be in uh, for these communities. So, you know, that's also making the problem so much bigger and so much uh more violent. It sounds like Mexico is is really bordering on just being a failed state at this rate. You know what I mean? Yes, I. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a narco state. I mean, yeah. and it's a very interesting contrast because you know in Mexico City it's it's you know a thriving financial capital and it's still you know relatively safe um, if you know where to go. Um, but it's a very interesting contrast is like Mexico City is probably like one of the only, you know, international hubs that's still maintaining this idea that Mexico is doing great. Um, and it's very unfortunate that for all these surrounding communities, I mean, also, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of tourist destinations that are absolutely great. I don't want to drive anyone from coming to Mexico. Um, but, you know, the reality is that, you know, 
these destinations are being protected because they're also cash cows um, and there need to be, you know, some sort of security there, but also the, you know, overwhelming parts of Mexico are just being um, abandoned. Yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying completely. Don't get me wrong. Like we're, we're not, we're not knocking Mexico as, as a country and the people, but you're right. Like you cannot just ignore like, oh, well, Mexico City is doing well. People are exaggerating. Like, no, like half the country is taken over and run by like some of the most brutal bloodthirsty cartels that exist. You know what I mean? It's, it's like, okay, well, it's nice if you've got money and you live in the city, but if you don't, you know, you're in big trouble. It's, it's not great. Um, you spent some time um, visiting the Zapatistas, right? Um, what was it, like last year or something? Um, yeah. was, were people there kind of aware of the situation back then or what? Um, in terms of the election violence or? Well, just, the, just I guess just the impending kind of problems that were coming to the region. Impending doom, yeah. Yeah. Um, I did get that sense. I mean, it, it was all, when did I go? Um in 2019 so it was very well before the elections um because the election period was incredibly incredibly heavy um sorry i went in 2020 um so this is where we started seeing everything pick up but regardless um you know there is a lot of suffering um you know it's one of the most impoverished states in our country so just by that you know you did see a lot of desperation and a lot of need um, that one group or another is going to fulfill, is going to fulfill that gap. So while I didn't see it outright, you know, there were very clear signs um, that, you know, something was going to trigger uh, mass amounts of violence. Um, you know, a lot of the municipal government also for decades has been accused of being linked to organized crime. So you did also see that becoming a trigger Um and uh, yeah, I mean, that was, that's a, just a very um, superficial observation, but um, I just spent most of my time talking to Zapatistas. I mean, they were, you know, as I mentioned before, they were kind of just running their little community programs. I went um, to one of their autonomous areas where uh, they just basically had a health clinic um, and they were taking in residents who, you know, didn't have access to other medical care um, that were using that as kind of like their little de facto, um, you know, community center. So that's what I saw more. Um, but you know, that there were definitely signs you could, you could see that by, you know, the levels of poverty and how, you know, any group would be able to come and usurp that um, kind of role as a change maker. Oh, it's a shame. Um, in terms of this, this new militia, I think what literally 24 hours ago, they kind of, they kind of released their video where they're all like pointing guns at each other's head by accident, which wasn't a great sign, but it is what it is, you know. Um, you know, they got heart, I respect that. Um, what what were they saying exactly? Maybe, I know you kind of mentioned it, but maybe just give us an idea of like, you know, who they are and what they were saying. Yeah, so these guys are, um, they call themselves the Fuerzas the the armed forces of the Simojovel um, town. Um, and they're basically directing their message to the newly elected uh, mayor called Gilberto Martinez, um, who is going to assume the post after, you know, his wife was a former mayor. So they're also accusing him of being extremely corrupt, 
Um, they didn't directly attribute him to like any means to organize crimes, at least in this video. Mm. Um, and I haven't done enough research. Um, sorry about that. It just came out last night. So I haven't done no, enough no, research course. on the mayor. <laughs> um, but they just accused him of, you know, corruption. And they listed seven demands, which was, you know, basically respect for our, you know, the indigenous people. Um, we don't want any more diversion of the public resources. Um, and then the comp and then the main one, which is what all these other self-defense groups are saying, is that we want to expel um, you know, the the narcos, the the drug traffickers, the armed traffickers. Um, they have zero tolerance for drug trafficking. Um, so this is, you know, this is a commonality in all of these groups that have come out. It's just an outright um opposition to you know what they call like the narco council um which is addressing you know organized crime but also the political arena that supports that um or allows it basically to to thrive um so what these uh, this is what these guys are saying as well like this is what their seven demands were um and then they concluded the video with saying you know if these demands are not met then we will rise in action um, they didn't specify what that action was. Um, but of course, I mean, also, like you said, they're like pointing, accidentally pointing guns at each other. So in terms of, you know, the confidence of their organization and capabilities and, you know, discipline and training, that's something that we're going to have to see. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to like mock these guys. Like again, like anyone that wants to, you know, fight against what they want to fight against. Sure. I got a lot of respect for them for, you know, they got heart, like I said. But the thing is, if you, I'm just thinking when you compare it, for example, to, you know, the, the new generation cartel, Jalisco or whatever, like they are well-trained. They literally look like soldiers. You know what I mean? It's just one of these ones where it just seems, not not to say that it's impossible, you know, I mean, look at Afghanistan, for example, but it's just not on the same level. You know what I mean? It, it just seems like, I don't know, man, it, it doesn't seem like a, a recipe for success. However, um, if you look at like, you know, um, the Los, was it Los Machetes, like, they have a lot of members. You know what I mean? They seem to have a lot of local support. Do you think that's genuine? Yeah. I mean, they have the... So, so actually, a point you brought up um, to address first is that you're absolutely right. These guys are farmers. Mm. You know, this is also what we need to remember is that these guys weren't, you know, trained professionally or are equipped professionally. These are guys that just, you know, by the need of their community. So... I completely agree with you is, you know, they're wailing around machetes and they probably, you know, I want to hope, or I think, you know, for, for the sake, we want to hope that, um, you know, they'll know what to do, but yeah, the, these are farmers going against, you know, some of the best equipped narcos in the country. Um, in terms of the genuine support, uh, of El Machetes, um, um, I mean, in the video they brought in, so they released a video where basically they were like celebrated and deputized. They had kind of a community gathering where these guys um, were lined up um, carrying their weapons, either sticks, guns, or machetes um, with a little green uh, bandana and the Los El Machetes t-shirt. Um, it, it was a full, you know, it was a packed gathering 
excuse me, um, I don't know how many people went out to see them, but it was estimated that it was around 100 men that were, you know, on the ranks of El Machete. They had their little kind of ceremony and they all agreed on what the mandate was, which basically being, you know, combating the incursion of organized crime and expelling the hitmen. And they kind of had their little congratulatory um, event there. But, you know, I do think it is genuine. Um, but again, these are some of the, you know, some of the earliest groups that we've seen. So, um, actually, um, one of the, and I completely forgotten about this, sorry. Um, one of, when they first came out, um, with their declaration, which was back in, um, July when, um, they first issued, uh, you know, their opposition to the newly elected mayor, they basically launched several raids around the community and said, we're going to go and pick off, you know, these hitmen that are, you know, allegedly linked to Los Herreras. So they basically raided um, a couple of homes that fire to cars, motors. They just completely ransacked um, this area and they ended up detaining 27, um, you know, suspected Herrera members um so you know they have conducted their little operations here that, 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 yeah that, that's that's quite impressive but what, what do they do with them afterwards like they detain them they're you know they're a vigilante group i understand the area you need that in an area like that but, but what do they do kill them or um they're still allegedly held <laughs> okay <laughs> having a little dirt nap i imagine yeah i don't Who know knows? you know <laughs> yeah 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 but so, uh, yeah, what this new elected mayor is basically saying is like, I'm going to go rescue them. And, you know, so that's, you know, one of his like swearing in duties. But as far as as far as the last information that I've heard is that they're still being held. So so the mayor, the mayor, the new mayor, he said he's going to rescue who? The guys that are held? Yes. So, the so guys that El Machete took. So I, I can imagine. Sorry, I keep saying Los Machetes. It's El Machetes, right? Um, you can tell I don't speak Spanish. Um, yeah, so so he's basically, in a way, I guess in their eyes, he's siding with the cartel, the mayor, I mean. Right, so this is a question, right? So these guys have been linked to Los Herreras. I mean, El Machete brought out before their detention, they, they issued um, some photos basically saying, um, you know, trying to prove or at least signal as evidence that these guys that were detained were members of Los Herreras. Um, now family members of these guys have come out and said, you know, you guys, you guys have the completely wrong men. These right. guys have no affiliation whatsoever to, you know, to Los Herreras. And then the mayor is simply saying, you know, these are our citizens. We have to go rescue them. So, you know, there's different narratives that are coming. Um, you can see how convoluted, um, because I'm also, I mean, we have to, or we have to acknowledge that you know, it's very easy, especially in these communities, to get into a situation where there's just a public lynching, you know, where someone is accused of becoming, of being part of some network here or there, or, you know, we had um, last week, there were two men that were accused of trying to steal a little girl and they were just lynched in the middle of the municipal palace and, and set on fire alive. Mm. So you can also see how, like, you know, these situations of, spiral out of control very very quickly and i think that's also another 
point of the narrative where like the mayor is saying like, no, you know, let's slow down. You know, these guys are innocent or whatever. Yeah. I mean, this, this is obviously always the issue with vigilantism, but I think the issue is as well, when you're in a place like where they are, and the police are just—I mean, they're—they're—they're they're, they're not much better. They're not—you know what I mean? It's like I don't know. It's—it must be a really difficult situation. I mean, how do you even? I guess I'm not surprised that these groups are popping up. You know what I mean? Now you've kind of explained what's going on there. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I mean, these are all signals to you know how we've gotten to where we are, and this is also just decades of you know co- corruption by the police. Um, you know, decades of distrust in them um so absolutely i mean you get into this very very easy vigilante and like terrain um and there's you know also very difficult to to get out of that yeah definitely um all right thanks very much that's been really interesting uh, is there anything else you want to mention before we go yeah i just one last thing i know that Good. we've been focusing on chiapas um but you know as we said this violence is not isolated to Chiapas. Um, you know, I think despite the levels of insecurity and increasing violence that we're talking about here, um, you know, as unfortunate as it is, the violence is relatively low in comparison to the rest of the country. And I'm not saying that to minimize it in Chiapas, but it also to put it into perspective that, you know, there is a collective fatigue in this nation mm. of just, what a deep problem we have gotten and it's so difficult to focus our attention you know on addressing one hot spot because there's so many all across the country so you know if somebody is interested in you know mexican politics or conflict you know there's definitely a lot of areas to explore here because there's there's a lot of turmoil yeah definitely um what, what's the situation with like reporters now obviously you know, I know a, lo- a lot of local reporters, uh, you know, very sadly, they, they end up just murdered, you know, um, you know, what I mean, by by cartels um, in terms of, I don't know, like if someone wanted to report um, on like El Machetes or whatever, like how how possible is that these days? I think you have to be very selective about the groups that you want to yeah. um, go into. Um, I mean, a lot of the reporters um, that I talk to, that I'm friends with, I know that there's areas that they just will definitely not touch. Mm. Um, you know, when it comes to organized crime, um, there is a pervasive idea that you don't want to expose too much, and I know that almost sounds counterproductive to you know the um, the ethics of journalism. But at the same time, we are talking about you know people's security. So, of course, yeah. It, you know there there is a big sense that you know we're almost losing um, you know the free the free press, and we're losing also you know the motivations of why people. Um, would want to report on this and you know why freelancers would want to get involved into this anyway because you know the cost of entry is so high you know sometimes you end up paying with your life i mean they they just murdered another journalist um last week um i can't remember what state um but you know this is also a very frequent thing um you know mexico is one of the deadliest countries to be a reporter in um, and, you know, one of also the consequences of this rising violence and the, the decrease in the free press and, you know, reporters is that we're also going to start seeing major blackouts 
Um, and we're also going to start seeing less and less coverage um, about what's going on. Um, you know, I, I do a lot of reporting on Michoacan and also having people want to talk to me is very, very difficult. Um, a lot of them just want to talk off the record. Um, so, you know, it's just a very, very difficult, um, you know, situation here on, on, on both sides, the people that are providing information because they also don't want to, you know, sustain those consequences, but also the people that are reporting on the situation. Um, but, I mean, if you want to go talk to El Machete, I mean, yalla. <laughs> Me, I don't know. <laughs> I think I'd stick out a bit, you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know, maybe. I'll, I'll okay. do the work then. Okay, great, great, great. All right. Um, speaking of your work, where, where can people find it? You know, your Twitter, everything like that. Um, you can find me on Twitter. Um, I'll actually, after today, I'll go back and, and post some of the videos about this conversation just so people can get some context. Brilliant, um, yeah. I'm on Twitter at Janet, J-A-N-E-T underscore Basurto, B-A-S-U-R-T-O. Brilliant. Thank you very much. That was Janet Basurto speaking about the potential for serious conflict in Chiapas in Mexico. Very interesting, an area worth keeping your eye on if you're at all interested in the Zapatistas, the EZLN and uh, vigilante forces in Mexico. Throughout that, annoyingly, I was calling El Machetes, Los Machetes, because I'm an idiot, whatever, and also said the EZLN rose up in 1984. Wrong, it's 1994. There you go, too much um, militia forces going around in my brain. If you like what we're doing here at Popular Front, please do consider supporting us on the Patreon. <coughs> That's patreon.com slash popular front you get monthly patreon only bonus episodes access to the community discord patreon only conflict journalism study series that is too cool for j school uh, narrated articles early access to new episodes documentaries premiere first on patreon there's extra video content discount codes for popular front merchandise loads of stuff there patreon.com slash popular front if you want to support us a different way go to popularfront.co slash support this episode was sponsored by oracle coffee shop in portland oregon usa they're an independent coffee business selling only fair trade products see them at 3875 south west bond avenue 97239 tell them that popular front sent you the episode is also sponsored by Propagandopolis, an outlet selling and writing about historical conflict propaganda from around the world. You can buy prints at propagandopolis.com. Use the promo code popularfront10 for a 10% discount. Also, there is a Popular Front range of posters on there. You'll see it on the front page, propagandopolis.com. If you want to follow us on socials, Instagram at popular.front, Twitter at popularfront underscore. We've started using the Twitter now to kind of keep everybody updated on the world in conflict as we do with the Instagram. So yeah, check that out. Um, YouTube.com slash popularfront, the website www.popularfront.co and of course the Patreon, patreon.com slash popularfront. If you want to follow me, 
It's at Jake underscore Hanrahan, H-A-N-R-A-H-A-N. My website, jakehanrahan.com. You can see all of my work there. Uh, music in this episode, the intro was by Home, and as always, the outro was by Sam Black. You can follow him on Instagram at samblack.jpeg, so samblack.jpeg. Uh, or you, I don't know why he didn't choose .wav, actually. That would have been way smarter, or .mp3. Come on, Sam. Um, yeah, and uh, his, you listen to his music at, um, fucking know, what is it? samblackpf.com. Um, thank you to the high-tier Patreons. Thanks for making all of this possible. They are Adam P, Elise Middlefar, Jess, Lewis, or Louis, um, David McManus, Joaquin Williamson-Holt, Yudoye Travis, Tom Petrie, James Leons, Lyons, Kate, Lisa Milgram, Bradley Davies, Brendan Crave, Peter Hesher, Peter Hesher, sorry, RX, A. Nicole, Travis Lieberman, Cherry, Ben Marshall, Dallas Dunn, MJ, K. Glitter Vulcan, Meredith Waters, Bethany Swoveland, Adam H, Larson, 8669, Karante, Bjorn Kirsten, Diamond Steen, Michael O'Connor, Zach Picard, Todd Cravens, Nicholas Butter, Ron Swanson, JD, Jav, Ian Froes, James Cully, Tynan Daly, Ethan, Fitzmadrid, Ed Coulthard, Mike Barone, Ben, Liam Williams, Chris Cusimano, Degenerate Zero Alpha, Giorgio Arani, DR, Trey Nance, Rubicon, Frank Austin, Amelia Me, Nawa Is, Nate Van Dor, Christina Rivetti, Freya Northman, Ali Hunter, Bill Wilson, Andrew Hurley, Vida Provost, uh, Brian McLaughlin, Tom Lochrin, Young Wasabi, Tony Bin, Adam Berg Snyder, JL, Stephen Davila, Anthony Kabarek, Dan Dunham, Fletcher Tate, Chad Walker, Diana Gorvanek, Lawrence Abrahams, Peter McCormick from What Bitcoin Did, Axel Iverson, Christopher Martin, Ryan Sandercock, and Moritz Zumwall. Thank you all so much. If you want to support us, patreon.com slash popularfront.